0: This is the Limo show, 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 show. This is not another story. This is not another drill.
1: I, refuse
0: to be another number- I just want to have, like, Kind of a background. So now you're the author of the intelligent millennial. Millennial, right? yeah. And uh, it's, your, it's your first book, or or have you- my
1: first. It's my first book. So basically, what it is is because I have a, uh, <clears throat> I have a brand with another person called the uh, New Gen Mindset, which is a it's a business investment and. Uh, <laughs> and the equity analysis podcast, where the premise is you look, you talk about anything related to finance and business and stock market economics, things like that. And we have a little blog and I I would write some articles here and there sometimes. And then I was focusing on a topic which was had to do with um, trends related to businesses, how businesses have to follow trends in order to ensure uh, viability looking long-term. Because if a business doesn't think long-term, it then falls apart. And to think long-term, you have to think about trends. And trends are heavily dictated by generations. So I was trying to write a little article about it. And then eventually, it kind of led me down this route of, okay, well, <clears throat> there's more than just economics that are heavily impacted by generational trends you have politics that are impacted by it you have the way people think as a collective that are impacted then that is heavily correlated to how the economy then reflects itself based on how the people think and how the government thinks and then it led me down this route of okay well then in reality there's also a lot of problems you know and then you have to look at the educational aspect of things the way we communicate uh, the way we govern ourselves. And then I was like, well, you know what? Let me make it. And then I was like, I- I- at a certain point, I was 2,000 words in. I was 5,000 words in. I-, I was like, okay, this is going to become a book now because I'm just keep writing and I can't post it as a blog. If I post it as a blog with 10,000 words, it doesn't make sense. Nobody's going to read a blog post that long. So I just decided, screw it. Let me make it into a book. And then I thought about The Intelligent Investor by Benjamin Graham, yeah. which is one of the most That's- classic books. Yeah. Right. And that's why I called it the intelligent millennial and I made it look like it just so people that know finance or that know the book, they kind of get that connection in their brain because the premise is now, now in the world of economics and finance, the market is so much more complex than it's ever been in history. It's never been this dynamic. It's never been this complex. People have never had access to this much information. So the issue is people don't know how to filter information anymore. So our intellect hasn't adapted to the complexity of the system. So the premise, the literally the last sentence of my book is how millennials need to become intelligent before they become intelligent investors. If you want to do well nowadays in our current system, as an investor, you have to know how to now filter and process the information of the craziness of our system, which is more complex than ever. So the premise is as a millennial, as a new apex generation become smarter and everything else will fall into place.
0: Yeah. Exactly. So yeah. That's the it,
1: premise of the.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Continuous learning and, uh, and continuous training. And, and how do you tell millennials to, to actually, you know, become intelligent people, you know, <laughs> it, one is conversation,
1: have more conversation and two, stop thinking you're right about everything because the premise of intellect is not about wanting to be right. It's about wanting to have answers. Yeah. But everybody wants to think they're always right about something. So they automatically close their brain to a conversation. Even if they, and then they're afraid to be wrong because being wrong makes them feel like they're not smart. But everyone starts somewhere. You, you, have to, you have to assume you're wrong in order to always search for an answer. That's the premise of science. Science doesn't say, I am right, the scientist. The scientist says, I know the topic. I want to solve an answer. Let me just research and trial and error, trial and error. The same premise goes with investing everything. Error leads you to better root the question that you're trying to solve. You start vague and you narrow in, 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 in. And the same premise should fall with the way you you build your intellect. Look at big themes and then narrow down. Micro, macroeconomics. You know, like just people have too much bias in the way they assume they're right when the premise of intellect is just be open to conversation, be open to learning, and just be open to wanting to have an answer rather than wanting to be right. Because wanting to be right creates the bias in your conversation. Because then you get angry and then you think you're, people think you're an idiot. When, I don't care. It's not about you being, I just want to share the information with you. Have a conversation. If you're wrong, I'm telling you why you're wrong. But if you don't want to, if you want to assume you're just right because you're right as, and you, if you, you, the, your ego rather know, you're rather, your ego is satisfied knowing you're just right. Well, then you're never going to develop yourself.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah there, there was this quote, like the beginning of wisdom is, is knowing that you actually don't know anything, like they, they, try, they have actually everything to learn.
1: There's and, never,
0: uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, but I see that because I, I give dating advice uh, to some guys, you know, dating and lifestyle advice. And there's a lot of guys that have this, um, they, they think they get it. They think they're so competent as a man. They know all the dynamics, etc. And when you introduce a new dynamic, when you, when you introduce them to like deep female psychology stuff. Uh-huh. they get into denial and they, they have this cognitive dissonance in their brain between like the belief that they're so competent and they don't, they know everything. And on the other side, the belief that, no, actually you, you, you don't know shit. Like this is how it works. And this is how you should be, you should be doing, you know?
1: So a hundred percent agree because yeah. at the end of the day, psychology for me is the dictating factor to everything in the book. Uh, they were talking about how at the center of the entire system is the individual. The individual's psychology dictates how we do everything, right? I have my own psychology. You have your own psychology. If I don't know how to resonate with your psychology, well, we can't collaborate ever. The same premise goes to whether you're dating with somebody or you have friends or you're working with somebody. If you as an individual cannot collaborate with me as an individual, which is dictated by your mind, then it falls apart. If you want to have a conversation with a girl, you have to understand where her head is, how she thinks, how evolution shaped her behaviors consciously and subconsciously. And by doing that, you then now better resonate with the dynamic of understanding how a female works and behaves, which then makes you more confident because you're less clueless as to what the hell's going on.
0: True, 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 true. Awesome, man. So, um, man, it's crazy that, you know, for your first book, uh, it had so much like, you know, upfront success, you know, a lot of the guys I see, you know, in the, the, the world of writers, et cetera, like their first book is, is usually, you know, it's, it's like, nobody knows about it or something. And then maybe in the third book or the, their fourth book, they're, they're like a big, big best yeah. So what's your secret? Did you have like some mentors that guided you through, like, you know, honestly, having- honestly,
1: yeah. it was just, I, I, before I got to this point, I developed, I, I realized that the value of, of doing anything in this world, whether it's to become an expert, whether it's to build a brand is your network. Yeah. I just wanted to meet people, talk to people. Uh, is my met him through a really good friend of mine. And, um, He met me, he's working with the music industry and working with artists. And then I met Isma through him because they're also working at a corporate level. And I just like dealing with anything, anything related to the way people think and operate. I I, I just want to meet people. So I didn't realize that having conversations with people as a friend, rather than just imposing yourself to force something that alone builds your network. And then when you do something, people want to collaborate with you. So people are willing to share your stuff. People, people just want to be a part of it. So the network is what I focused on. And then I realized more and more after writing this is that my network is the key. Let me focus on my network. Let me focus on building that and the network will allow me to compound my reputation will allow me to compound my growth. Uh-huh. I, it just connected to me as the, like, because I, because I have such an investment mindset, the way I perceive things was very, very correlated to that. It's build and compound time after time. It'll just add, it'll grow, it'll grow, it'll grow. And the more people you meet, the more who you are can, expand into the world. So if I'm trying to write a book, well then by having a better network, a bigger network that respects me and acknowledges who I am and what I do, well, they're willing to share and work with me and share what I've done with other people. Yeah. So it was just that I, I've always done everything on my own but I've always focused on wanting to have as much conversation as possible. That's why I've always disliked clubs and stuff like that because I couldn't have a conversation with, I'm, I'm a guy that really likes to sit down. I'll have a drink, I'll have a cigar. Well, you know, I don't mind that stuff, but yeah. I, I want a conversation. That's how I connect with people. That's how I get to understand how people think it through the conversation, the words you use, the way you word things, the, what you say, what you, how you resonate with things. And I mean, at the end of the day, when you get to a certain point, whether you're an artist, this or that, everybody still now is resolved around money. everything still somehow encompasses money. So because I like the premise of money and economics, it still resonates whether you're an artist because you're trying to build a brand and you're trying to make money out of it. Whether you have a business and you're a manager, you're trying to manage a client and make sure he builds his brand. So everything for me still resonates with what I love to do either way. So I'm not afraid to meet people no matter what they're in. And I just want to meet people, talk and just build on that. And then by doing that, my, my brand And what I do will grow as a result of that consequence. It's a pure causation. I don't even need to depend as much on Instagram and Facebook ads and expand it. I can use my network and build it and strengthen the network. And that alone will help me expand myself. True, true. And and
0: for free. And yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. And um, so what what are the systems that you put out in your life to build your network? Like, do you have a a weekly... Uh, I don't know cocktail thing that you, you go to or do you have like a, or do you network on Instagram I have, or I
1: have I have a lot of different like part of after I finished university I got into the restaurant industry I became a waiter mm-hmm. and waitering was a big part of how I developed my social skills and also how it allowed me to also watch people because you're dealing with so many clients you get to observe a lot of people and their psychology It was one of the most fascinating things for me was just observing people and seeing how they behave, the conversations they had at the table, whether you're male and female, a female and a female, male and male, whether you're a family, just how people thought and operated. And the more I became social, the more I just wanted to go out and meet people. And I always said to myself, don't ever say no to meeting somebody because you don't know what the conversation is going to lead to. Once you have the conversation, you can then decide afterwards, is it worth my time to fuel that, that, that relationship more? Or do you walk away and go on to another step? I always make sure to never say no. When my friend Leander, who's friends with Isma, wanted to go out and said, do you want to come? I said yes, because I just wanted to meet people. So I, my intent was never to pursue networking and meeting people, but it was, I never said no to meeting somebody. If somebody wants to meet me, if somebody wants to have a financial conversation, if somebody wants to talk about business, somebody want to talk about investing, if somebody wants to talk about just anything remotely with politics, history, I'm, I'm down to have a conversation. And then from there, I'll establish whether or not I pursue putting more time, as we say, like, um, sweat equity in business. So putting time into it, energy wise, not money wise, sweat equity. So the, what, Exactly. So the way I think of people is, okay, I met you. How do I think of you? Am I willing to put more time and sweat into building that that relationship? And that's how, that's why Isma, you know, I, I, I continuously have conversations with them on Instagram, my friend Leander, I meet them. Like it just, I just like to meet people because at the end of the day, if I'm going to say that the network is the most important aspect of who I am and what I'm trying to do because the network is going to decide whether or not I'm an actual expert. I don't want to self-proclaim myself an expert. I am trying to build a specialty in what I'm trying to do. And for me to establish the specialty, I need my network to to respect it. Mm. So my purpose is making sure I add value to my network and build on those relationships. And it it was more of a self-realization thing that like it helps I get to have more conversations. I get to meet more people. I get to have, I get to build something by meeting people. And that was really what ignited my desire to just continuously meet people.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Network is your net. They say net, your network is your net worth. Uh, exactly.
1: Way, so. You have, you have, you have the tangible aspect of things, which is your money that dictates one aspect of your net worth. And then the aspect of it is the life of who's in your network. Who do you have relationships with? Uh, who adds value to your life? Because the more people that add value to your life, you add value to theirs and it just grows from there. It's compounding. It, the premise of one of the greatest wonders of life, they say, is the c- compounding. And it applies to everything, whether it's money or people, whether it's intelligence, knowledge, it builds. So
0: I guess, so I guess your strategy for investing is mostly like a, kind of a Warren Buffett, Charlie Munger type of investing where you invest long-term, right?
1: So the premise, so as a, because I have, a, I have a consulting business called the... Um, Imperium mine. So the premise of it is basically I do, there's two aspects to it. I am one, a wealth advisor for individual clients. So people that want to be their own investors that don't want to go to the bank that want to be more attentive to their money, but not necessarily have the ambition or the drive or the obsession with paying attention to politics, economics, uh, psychology, and the everyday dynamics of the market. I am their advisor as in a company has a, 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 a board of advisors that sits on them and helps them think long-term and helps them make very strategic decisions. I take that same role with my clients, but they themselves have complete control over their money. I have no control. I'm just the guy that, that talks to them and helps them build an education, build a better connection with their money and focus on building wealth. And that's how I focused on that. And then I have another aspect of my business, which is strategic advisories for corporate companies and startups where, because at the end of the day, even if you're a business and you have a passion for something, if you're not focused on properly aligning yourself as a business and operating like a business, you may not necessarily succeed even though your idea is brilliant. So the part of business and how people have to focus on dynamics and negotiating and, and just thinking about optimizing every aspect of your business. I wanted to take a role in that too. So my obsession just became about stocks and investing and asset classes and economics and behavioral economics and psychology and and optimizing departments within your business. Because the more you optimize your business, the more you become like a spear and you can just penetrate better and better. So
0: a nice analogy. True. Yeah. So,
1: and what I realized is that because of social media, Because of our smart telephones, the way you look at the stock market, the way you look at how people process information and invest now is on an entirely different level than it ever was in history. So as much as I respect Benjamin Graham and the intelligent investor, as much as I respect a lot of the OGs in the industry of finance, what's occurring now to my perspective is there's a complete shift in how the market is, cl- is clashing with the different dynamics and all the overload of information, which is why you have so many more investors that are retail investors, which is average people that just want to open their own investment account and do their own trading. And that's why it creates a lot more irrational movement in the market now because of social media, because of constant access to information, because of being able to just do it yourself so quickly, the market is so chaotic. Now there's a new terminology. So in typical finance, you have a, you have a terminology bull in the bear market, right? So the market goes up, the market goes down. Now we have a new terminology that seems to have appeared. That's called the kangaroo market, which is just up and down, up and down, up and down, up and down, up, hopping you up 30%. You're down 30% up 30% down. That has never been seen, but then you have to ask yourself, why are we seeing that now? Well, one, you have a lot more retail investors and two, they're able to have access to information and to investing at a level never seen before. So I decided to, Evolve the premise of why the market is shifting the way it is. It's the market was developed heavily by older generations and the way they saw things was at a calmer pace and at a slower pace, but the market is operating at a new level that has completely adapted to speed and access that has, and people, amateurs, typically um, uh, retail investors have not learned to evolve the information from the past and contextualize it to the current landscape and reality of the market, that the market is not truly the way it was before because the market has has adapted and evolved because of who we are as a generation. We now have to evolve the way we invest and look at the market as well. I can spend my day watching information on the stock market day in and day out, politics, everything. But if you still respect the premise of old value investing, you may not necessarily see as much value in the market anymore because multiples are higher. Businesses grow at a much quicker rate than ever before because of technology. Balance sheet may not necessarily be as beautiful as you want it to be, but because you're focusing on growth, it could clean itself out. So it's become so much more complex that I just, you know, it's, I believe in value, but in the sense that you have to learn how to contextualize the past History into looking forward based on new variables that have been presented by our generation, which is our phone and access to information and our desire because our generation has a very gambling mindset, very short term fixated, which you can, which you can see in the way we operate with among humans, the way we operate with girls, the way we operate, we're just so fixed on the short term result that we focus that if you play a little bit of a game, we think a little long term. You may not, the first day may not work, but the second date, you'll get exactly what you want. But you want the immediate result now that it messes with your intent and the way you behave and operate, which literally reflected in whether you're looking in relationships or the stock market, it's all there. So I love those old Gs, but then again, I do believe that there's a shift that has to occur in how we go about value investing and strategically investing. And that that impacts everything nowadays.
0: Super interesting, yeah. No, so true. And I see it with uh, platforms like eToro or things like that, where it's very social and people can comment on the, on the ticker. Like you see the ticker mm-hmm. of the stock. People can comment, why is it so down? Yeah. Uh, can I triple down? Yeah, you should. No, no, no. And then people like gamble, you know, as you said. Yeah, exactly. Uh, there's, so
1: much, there's so much fear of missing out. It's called FOMO, that people will use fear as a reasoning to do an action. When in reality, intelligence will tell you, sit down, relax think, ask yourself the proper question and then tell yourself, is it worth it or should I wait? Sometimes you're better off just waiting a little longer than making a rational decision just because you fear of something occurring and you're not part of it when you have your entire lifetime to make countless decisions. Yeah. But that fear of missing out, that short term fixation that people have, that gambling mindset, it's so powerful that it it, it, destroy, it destroys all, their entire outlook of things.
0: Yeah. There's this thing, um, I don't know if you know, Richard Taylor, uh, which is an economist, he made the book like called Nudge. I'm not a fan of Nudge, but okay. he made a study of temporal discounting, where, where people undervalue, like people would rather uh, have you know money now than money, a lot of money in the future. Absolutely. And uh, it's kind of that, it's like the, the loss aversion bias, if you want. Yeah, but, but exactly. That, that's 100%. The-
1: and- I I, I entirely agree with that. And that's why I heavily correlate always to the psychology. I say, if you understand your psychology as an investor, as a business person, you can better control your success and your results because you as an individual, as a human being have so much irrational thoughts normally that if you can control your behaviors and your, in your mindset, then that's one less risk factor that you have to worry about. But it's one of the biggest risk factors because you might flip flop on decision or the, because the thing is to say to yourself, let me wait 10 years for a result is a scary idea because if in 10 years you don't succeed, that's 10 years you just wasted. So a lot of people are very afraid to think long term because it's 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 you have to wait a long time. But when you say I want quick short term results, it means that I want that immediate satisfaction, I want immediate gratification now. Give it to me now, and that's why people love to gamble, especially in our generation. It's now, 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 not long term. But when you look at successful people and you imitate their patterns, they always focus long term, they never focus the short term. Mm-hmm. So if you want to just play that the common sense game, imitate successful patterns and successful patterns always tell you think long work long and things will work out because totally. your objective is long-term
0: absolutely yeah and uh sometimes don't you agree that you know there is like some black swans some key opportunities that you know if you don't miss them you like you need to take them to to get the money absolutely. now you know
1: absolutely like
0: coronavirus you know things like that
1: Absolutely. So that's where, that's where hedging comes into play, whether it's any, any aspect of your life, you have to account for a hedge A hedge, is just in order to ensure yourself that if something were to happen that you cannot account for like a black Swan, you're ready for it. And that's why wealthy people, when you look at portfolio management and wealth management, they're always hedging themselves. Even if, for example, a billionaire might say, I don't like Bitcoin, but because generational trends are showing me that Bitcoin might become a thing, just from a generational perspective, regardless of it being an investment, a real investment opportunity. Well, let me just put 1% of my net worth in it, just because if it does become something and it takes away, it takes away the, the capital within another sector, well, at least my money is, still exists. So when you have more money you build, the more you become an economy as a system, the larger, the larger your economy, like Amazon, for example, it's $1.5 trillion plus. Microsoft, $1.5 trillion. It's Apple, $1.5 trillion. Like they're all over the $1 trillion mark. When you, come become, when you become that size, in order to make sure you sustain yourself for 100 years, not only do you need cash, a good balance sheet, a good operation, you need to think about each generational trend. You need to ensure that you can adapt yourself to black swans the supply chain was a big issue with a lot of companies and that showed a lot of disconnect between old industries and new industries because when the black swan came for example with this covid it shut down a lot of our supply chain so the logistical industry huge tourism trains buses uh moving supplies around became a big issue because because people couldn't move anymore and you couldn't transport things because it's a human factor so yeah. black swans, that's why, for example, one of my biggest focus on hedges now has become that you cannot fight entirely nature, nature, and is in its own, its own dictating force. It'll always do what it wants to do. And its challenge is always to evolve and become the apex. So as we just saw now, this virus came out of nowhere and started killing people and while always triggering underlying conditions. So as a hedge, you know, we need to make sure that we better, we better uh, build on our infrastructure and our supply chain and that we better adapt ourselves to variables that are aren't accounted for that can be caused by nature. What happens if one day we have a, an electronic and EM, an EMP wave where it hits out all of technology? How do you go about operating your entire system now as a government? The government should be focused on hedging that outlook because if the system falls, which is entirely dependent on technology, how will they bring order after? It'll be complete chaos. Everybody's wealth is tied to technology in one way or another because it's online, this and that, uh, your houses. If, if, if ever one day there's that type of wave and it knocks out, te- uh, well, what do I do now? How do I operate my life? How do I buy food? How, do I, how does the government help me? How do I communicate with the government? All those questions have not been answered. And it's like we're defying nature by saying, well, we're the apex as a generation, as a species we are, but nature will always win if it wants to win. Because we live on earth, which is not our land. It's the earth's land. We're just a species living on it. If something happens, it'll still exist, but we'll fade away.
0: Yeah. It's like, we're just uh, renters, you know,
1: that's literally how it is. We are renting the land to do what we want to do, but we can never forget that the land can destroy us because it has more control over what happens in the world from the natural perspective than humans. We only have control over what we built. That's it. That's all. Mm-hmm. So the black swans are massive, significant investment opportunities because it creates so much chaos that you get 30% dips. And then within two months, you recover, you make 30%, which is something you rarely see anymore. But with the way the market moves now is a kangaroo. You want to look for bottoms and you want to look for tops. That's it. That's all. If you start trying to invest in between, you're going to either lose money, especially depending on your horizon. So black swans for me are like the golden opportunities that I look for now. And that's it. The rest of it is observe why watch and wait for those critical moments to jump in or jump out. Yeah. And that's it. It's, it's more of a patient approach and taking one of observation. Mm -hmm. Like I, like I'm sure if you go with, with your clients, when you go on a date, you know, you don't just strategically say, you don't just say, go to her at any point, wait for something to build, wait for a little connection to occur. Wait for you. If there, if there's girls among friends, don't be, in, don't, while she's immediately dancing with her friend, don't go pull her out. Like, wait for an opportunity. Observe and just wait for something to build before you make your presence shown. You yeah. don't just, you don't want to, you don't want to show dominance immediately. You want to build up the suspense. You want to wait for a critical moment. So everything, I, I just find that everything, no matter what you look at, as long as humans are involved, it all has the same premise of the way we go about doing things.
0: Mm-hmm. Would you say that, uh, you know, psychology is like, you know, 80, like more than 80% of the game or
1: it's king. It's King to everything. No matter what I do in this world as a human being, my psychology is the dictating factor of everything. I truly believe that it is the King factor to anything. No matter what people will talk about psychology is important. Yeah, You want to understand history? You want to put it into context? Your psychology has to be able to properly process it and then properly contextualize it into the new dynamics of psychology and social behaviors, which is all dictated by psychology. The way we, me, and you operate as a human being, the way me and you will talk to each other will be dictated by how we think as individuals. If yes. you're very closed off, that's because of your brain. If you're very open, it's because of your brain. If you're a male, your brain has certain subconscious behaviors dictated by evolution. If you're a female, there are certain subconscious behaviors dictated by evolution as well. Being aware of those things allows your brain to better process and better engage with that dynamic. For me, king psychology is the king to everything.
0: are you a big are you a big student of like are you nerding on like cognitive biases and things like that like are, are you like, um, to be and-
1: aware as a self aware, as a self-awareness objective. Absolutely. Yeah. am I when something happens Am I about to be a bias or am I going to be open in the way I think about it? I want to be able to control myself. If something happens, I need to know that I have more control over my thoughts than somebody else has control over my thoughts because they say something. I do not want my behavior, my character to be, to be devalued by an external factor. I want my internal force to be the main dictating power over my own thoughts. So I need to be fully aware of all psychological behaviors of psychological dynamics of biases of all those different things. That's why I also love to do trial and error in the stock market. That was how I learned one. It was, let me try something. Even if I lose my money, why did I lose my money? What did I do in this strategy? What did my brain think that made me want to do this? Mm -hmm. and then from there i know exactly how my prop might that the link occurred okay that's where it was broken that's where it didn't and that's kind of how i thought about my book you know well if i want to improve the system in order to become better as a system overall where are the broken links within our system that need to become optimized in order for the system as a collective to improve and evolve yeah and it's all again is connected to our psychology, our psychology the, your psychology can be better educated education improves your psychology because you become less ignorant. You're less afraid. If you're less afraid, you're more willing to be curious and engage conversations that you don't know nothing about. But then again, it all ties down to your psychology. At the moment I do something as a human being, my, my psychology is involved. Mm -hmm. how I process it is because of my, my psychology. The way I look at it is because the way I perceive it through my eyes, the way I assume it, it's because of my psychology. Everything is based off your psychology. Mm -hmm. And I saw, I started nerding over psychology like crazy.
0: Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. And so like, what are your top, let's say three influences like mentors or, or people that you look up to right now in this economic environment, like people that you really look up to in terms of decision-making and
1: decision-making and economics. So it, for, every, for everybody, whoever buy, if anybody ever buys my book, at the end of my book, I literally have a page that's called My Teachers. Ah, Ray Dalio. Yeah. Exactly. So I literally have a list of all the people that I've ever paid attention to, that I've listened to, that I've watched and really took their words to heart and processed it and contextualized it. So Ray Dalio is definitely one of them. Uh, Bill Gates is one of them. Uh, I also love Jeff Bezos just from his work ethic perspective. He doesn't, He's not much of a talker in terms of the open market. But what he's accomplished from going from a little bookstore online to becoming the largest, one of the largest companies in the world is incredible. Engineering, he did.
0: engineering. yeah.
1: Exactly. Uh, Tesla, Mark Cuban, also one of my favorites. Uh, Jim Cramer. Like, you see, the thing is, my list is pretty big. I have some historians. I have some philanthropists. I have some psychologists. I have some neurosurgeons. I have, uh,
0: what I have are, some... I'm curious. What are the historians that you like?
1: uh well it's more of history, uh, historical figures i would say more than historians like so for Stephen example
0: the great or something like that
1: yes alexander the great is one of my favorite characters in history because of why he what he did he's one of my favorites absolutely he inherited uh an empire from his father that was already established and comfortable but because his professor was uh so i literally have everything i written. think it's like, uh,
0: I- plato or Aristotle. um so
1: exactly so in history within 150 years i don't know if you can see it uh uh, so within 150 50 years socrates who everybody knows socrates was the professor to plato plato was the professor to aristotle aristotle was the professor to alexander the great so within 150 years span, you literally see a teacher-student dynamic building. And then you have Alexander the Great, who became known as one of the greatest conquerors, who never lost a battle in his entire lifetime, who wanted to create this city of Alexandria, which was all built on about the premise of, of knowledge. He wanted to create the greatest city of knowledge in history. And he got destroyed because of the Catholic Church and Roman Empire and this and that. But the premise was... Who he was, he wasn't afraid of knowledge and he wanted to build on knowledge because he understood the value of it, which was taught to him by his teacher and the teacher before him. So Alexander the Great is one of my favorites, Socrates, Plato. Uh, then I also have people like Heraclitus, which is another great guy. Um, those are more of my characters that I love that I refer to in here. And then there's also someone like Carl Jung, but it's more of a historical guy from about a hundred years ago. And he was more of a psychological, he uh, was... He was more of a leader in the world of psychology.
0: It's yes, like Freud and all, all these guys. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Awesome. Awesome. And uh, so what would you, what would you advise millennials besides continuous learning, etc.? Like how yeah. would you advise them to like, if I'm a millennial right now and I am, you know, yeah. and, and let's say I only have, you know, a thousand bucks to invest and I don't know much, but I'm, I'm eager to learn. I'm eager to invest. And, uh, and yeah, what, what would you say to me, for example?
1: So if we're going to talk about money and investing specifically as a millennial, my current advice would be because of how crazy dynamic of the market is, my suggestion would be is either find yourself somebody who can guide you better into making better decisions or at least into educating you or sit and build more capital cash-wise before you say, because I have $1,000, well, I need to make money because it's the only money ever I'm going to have. If you assume that the $1,000 is the only $1,000 you're ever going to have, then you're never really going to build wealth. Right now at a young age, the focus should be focus on ensuring you have cash flow and that you can save that way if you have cash flow coming in you always can continue investing on a continuous basis my first 3 years of work was cash flow cash flow cash flow cash flow make i always said to myself i have to make a minimum of $1000 clean in my pocket every week if i focused on that that means that even if i lost $2000 2 weeks later i'll have $2000 more so it's a it's a it's a it's a hedge against potential loss in the market as well because you have continuously money coming in funneling you so, my first objective would be don't worry so much about investing. Worry more about making sure you have cash flow being created. Because if you have cash flow coming in, then you can build your wealth and you can better diversify. You can better try and risk your money here and there. Uh, and you can continue to feed the market, and your money will continue to cut. Co- There's two factors that add to your compounding of your wealth. It's one is, do I, is there money coming in for me to feed the market? In my stocks, and then two, am I investing in a good place for my money to grow? It's the same premise of a business. Yeah. If a business only focuses on cash flow, it doesn't focus on return on investment (ROI). Then the business has very little growth outlook. R and D. That's why businesses focus so much on R and D. It's because I need to make sure my cash flow is sustained forever. So if I focus on future outlook by making sure my my operations always exist, I'm always gonna have cash flow coming in. If I always have cash flow coming in, I can always continue to expand my operations and build bigger and bigger stuff. So there's always two premises to everything: it's cash flow and investing. The first part is focus on building up cash flow in order to start investing. Mm-hmm. If you said, I just want $1,000 and I just want to put $1,000 and nothing more, sure, but then focus on only the good names and go long, especially since you only have $1,000, let's say. If you go short-term on your outlook because of the way the market is and how unsure it's become and how it operates on entirely new factors, if your horizon is very short-term, your money could become at risk and you could lose it without a doubt, especially since people are not used to seeing money come down 30% and then say, well, yeah, I can just wait it out. No, the psychology is going to eat at them and say, I, I might lose everything, get, take it out right away. But if they wait two, three years, it'll come right back and they'll probably be in the money again. So it's more about just focusing on building their character before the the foundation before becoming a good investor. That's how I tell people to really focus on things. Don't, you don't have to rush to the market. Patience is a virtue, especially in in investing because they're it messes with your head.
0: Nice. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, for you, like when did you start investing and when did you start, you know, interesting yourself to, to like all all the, you know, the finance world, et cetera. Was it something that you, you were interested in, like when you were were a teenager or was it something that came along the way later in life
1: entrepreneurial wise I've always been one like in high school I went to an all-boy catholic school it was uh it was mostly anglophones italian irish kids and uh we didn't want to read french books because I mean in Montreal in high school nobody really wants to read books period and then to have to read a french book and anglophones didn't really want to so I told myself I'm going to write french notes detailed French notes. And I was going to sell those notes to all the kids. And I would make multiples of hundreds of dollars per book, every single grade. So it was how I made cash flow in high school. So the premise of entrepreneur and focusing on niches and how to optimize things and make money was always a mindset that I always had. But I never really looked at the stock market as what it was now the way I think of it because school never told me or taught me about it like at all. Like I never really understood what the stock market was. I understood what it, like, I knew what it was, but I never understood it. I never knew. I never understood the dynamics of it. I never understood how complex it was. I never understood how insanely fascinating it was, which is why I love it now. And then what happened was when I graduated university, I came back, I went to Italy for three months that was my break. I came back and then all my boys had started investing because before that, we had talked about getting into investing and we were all, we were all financially literate and interested in money. And I came back from Italy and they had all started investing in marijuana. This was about four years ago. Mm -hmm. That was where we all started really was marijuana. So I came back and I was like, shit, I'm behind all my group of friends, my, my collective group of finance boys. I need to step up and get back to where they are. So I just, rushed on trying to get a job. And that's how I got into restaurants. And then I realized how the cash flow was. And I just, my, 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 my strategy was work my ass off, make a shitload of money, save as much as possible, and then invest as much as possible. And then when I started investing, I started realizing, well, if I'm going to put my money in something, I want to understand where I'm putting my money. I want to connect to it. So every day I would wake up at like 8, 39. And I would just spend an hour, an hour and a half reading, reading, reading every single morning. Even if I wanted to go back to bed, as long as I made sure to read and know every detail about every little business that I was investing in A to Z this way, my psychology would be better reinforced. So I would not make as much of a stupid decision if something were to occur and I could focus long-term. So it got it. And then that's when I realized, wow, And I, that's how I made, I made, that's how I made a significant portion of my wealth to begin with was because I did, I went really aggressive on marijuana, even though the beginning was more perceived as a very risk outlook, but it was more of a guaranteed outlook in the sense that it was an industry that was going to grow because everybody smokes marijuana now in our generation. It's a norm. So that's how I was thinking about it. You know, it's okay. It might not be a thing now, but down the line it will be. So there's growth to occur from that. So Marijuana was really my entry point to this, and then I kind of focused started, started focusing off on a lot of small cap minimum commodities, uh, niche markets like esports, uh, blockchain, marijuana. Um certain commodities. And I just focused on a small cap because my mindset at the beginning was, how can I make money fast a little also? Even though I was still focusing on properly investing, I still had that little bit of a gambler's mindset fixed in on the short term because there's an evolution. You can't go straight into a a proper mindset because you need to kind of build, take your steps and really help you understand why you need to think that way. So I had that little bit of an aggressive outlook at the beginning, but I did a lot of due diligence. And that was really how I started doing really well was because I was not afraid of researching and analyzing. And I made sure to have a lot of conversations. I started a couple of Facebook groups with a couple of finance guys. So this way I would always constant conversations about different companies. And I always liked being challenged in terms of, if I had an investment thesis and I present to somebody, I like to see how they would challenge it. If I could rebuttal it or dig deeper into solidifying why it was a good opportunity, I felt more comfortable with my investment strategy. But if I couldn't rebuttal an idea or a thought or a criticism about that strategy, then I would feel less comfortable and I probably either would get out of it or deviate from the plan because I need to feel good about what I'm about to do in order to make sure I'm solidifying my psychology. And it just kind of spiraled. And then from there it led down into realizing how much my psychology was important to how I invested. And then it became important about, especially COVID, COVID triggered the whole economic aspect of what I looked at now because COVID kind of highlighted a lot of economic issues between the political and the uh, economic landscapes and the people landscape. Even though I was aware of it, you never really saw the true clash until COVID came about. And that really highlighted things. And then during COVID, I just spent my time just observing and watching. And then my obsession over economics and especially behavioral economics about how individuals, psychology and how social structures impact the movement of, of the economics, that's where my obsession really kind of built. And it's just trigger after trigger, You know, making sure I was always around, around, around the same group of people, around good people, people that were interested in finance and building themselves, making sure I always watched and followed the teachers that I, that I referred to in my book. It, it just it compounded. After four years, just the compounding value of that, I don't even recognize myself anymore. So it's like, you know, it just... It, it, I, ha- I had to start somewhere just like everybody else. And it's just, it just added and it grew and it grew and it grew. And now I feel like I just started my journey. So like, I don't even want to stop anymore. Like I just reached that point on an exponential curve where you're about to spike up and it grow exponentially faster. Now Yeah. I was in my slow, I was at the slow part of it. And now I'm reaching a point where I'm about to shift upwards and really start exponentially
0: growing. Yeah. 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 Yes. The, the compound effect. It's, uh, yeah, it's exactly. crazy when you're, when you're 1% better every day, you know, after it your adds. Yeah, it's, it's crazy.
1: It adds. And that's why finance really, really helps to highlight all these things because money is literally dictating factor in everything we do as humans. So focusing on money and everything that touches money, it was just how I built my knowledge. Focusing on everything that impacted money, no matter what you name, no matter what you look at one way or another money is involved. As long as humans are involved with that money is involved. Yeah. So I, it was just obsessed. I just became more and more and more and more and more obsessed. And the more the network validates the fact that you know what you, when you speak, it's not stupid. And that when you speak, it's they, they, they listen that validation from your peers, respecting your ideas and your thoughts. It, 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 it made me, it gratified me. It made me feel good inside because it made me feel that, wow, I don't need to, it's, I'm not just dependent on myself now. Now I have people that can look towards me and that I can build something. And that's how I came to about to building my, uh, my wealth, consulting business because finance honestly for me finance is the most obsessive place for everybody that I meet that doesn't finance is extremely obsessive especially when they're really focused on it it they develop very obsessive characters because it's so incredibly fascinating and so your brain is constantly engaged and stimulated
0: yeah I I can see your passion of how we talk about it and it's amazing and don't you think also sometimes you know you need to you need, you need to rest from all the, these graphs and those those things. Yes. Are you are you kind of a spiritual guy in a way a little bit or are you? I am. If you spiritual in the
1: sense of like you you want to go into your inner thoughts, right?
0: Yeah, and, and also like you just want to let go sometimes of like yes. graphs and numbers and things, and just want to yes. You know, like Ray Dalio, you know. I know Ray Dalio is big on transcendental meditation, and uh, like those kind of things. Do you do you practice also like Zen, you know?
1: So my, my Zen moments, I would say is more my escape because for me, I have, I have a hard time getting out of my head. So for me to get out of my head, I like to be around people because it forces me to have conversations or to get out of my head and not so be focused on my brain because I am a little obsessive over my thoughts. So I, I kind of know that as my weakness. So I knew that I need to kind of leverage my network to kind of get me out of my head. And that's why sometimes I like to play games. It kind of helps me relax and it kind of helps me focus on an external, um, project rather than always thinking internally. So one of my good friends, we on a weekly basis, we like to play very complex games because like, it, I still feel sorry.
0: You play chess. Like I that. used
1: to play a lot of chess, but now it's more like complex games like uh, Dune uh, on Mars. They're very dynamic social games that require that have that, that are very, very complicated. But it, it, for me, it's kind of how I meditate because it helps me because of the fact that I'm playing a game, and it's not real life. It kind of helps me focus my thoughts and I'm willing to, make do a lot of trial and error i don't mind losing or i don't mind making uh, making a decision even though it'll make me cost the game or whatever because the way that the game is designed and how complex it is it teaches me a lot of It teaches me a lot about who I am and how I think so I can take that and I can replicate into my life so it's kind of how I meditate it's by playing these games it it allows me to calm down it allows me to think differently and it helps me to reflect about how I make decisions and the way I think about a game when in reality your life is also a game but it's a critical it's a very important game and it matters your decisions you make but these games you can lose it's it's fine to lose because there's no cost involved so this is where I kind of helps me relax and then once in a while I like to go to Chalet here and there. I go to jacuzzi, but I used to be a gym guy. So mo- the gym was mostly my, my where I really focused on my zen too. It's I I just focus on my body, relaxing and and the saunas too. Eh, saunas. I sit in there for half an hour and I and I don't think. Yeah. Because I'm just I'm just in bliss. So like I have like I because of because of my obsessive behavior and the way I think about things, I had to develop certain little um, rituals that helped me escape. And they yeah. work well for me. It, I knew myself. And so that's why like, I, I, I get exactly what you're saying. But I'm I, I, I've always tried the thought of being able to sit down and just meditate and just reflect that way. But the way my brain runs, I, I it's, it's very hard. So I always needed something externally to pull me out. I see. Yeah. So that was the that's why that's how I control myself. Mm-hmm. I, I I get to accomplish that by leveraging something to do it. it. It works for me that way.
0: Okay. Yeah. If it works for you, yeah. Because usually, yes, exactly. you know, usually people because usually people want to have something from within, not from, you know, without. Mm-hmm. You. Exter- yeah, exactly. Exactly. From something external, if it works for you, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Because the external factors, it helps me reflect a lot.
1: Yeah, because the way I see, because how I engage with that external factor, it makes me then reflect in my head. Okay, why did you do that? How did you do that? What does that say about yourself? Sometimes I'll be driving back home after playing a game night or something, and my entire car drive ride, I'm just thinking and reflecting about it. Why did I do that? How did I play? Why does it do that? Okay, how does it relate to real life? How does it relate to how I think? it, it the the moments I put myself in these things. It, it 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 triggers a lot of self reflection for me.
0: Mm-hmm. Do you have moments I, where sorry
1: do you, no, go moments, ahead, yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: do you have moments where you you try to not think at all like blank like just retreat from thinking?
1: It's very hard. That's why I have my rituals where like for example cooking helps me get not think, you know, or for example I'll put on um i 'll go for a walk with my dog or i 'll play with my dog because it's i don 't have to think in that moment in that moment i 'm just a human with his dog, and we 're just having fun it, i I personally have a lot of trouble thinking and not thinking because of the thing that because of what I do as a business every day i 'm continuously fed with information that I have sort of a fear in the sense that if I go a week without paying attention and what's going on in the world, that's a week of information that I've lost and that I have to catch up to after. So the compound, the constant, the constant overloading of information because of what I choose to do and help people when it comes to money I've kind of have I've kind of feel that I have a responsibility to make sure that I'm always engaged with constant information and not to hide from it. Because if I do, then I could be potentially putting my clients' money at risk. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to ever want to do that because I want them to succeed and I want to succeed. So the realm that I'm in, I've kind of lost the ability to just not do. But then again. You know, like I, I still have tasks in my life where it's said, like, I want to get back into stretching, you know, spend half an hour just relaxing and stretching because I feel that if I just focused on that, it would be kind of a form of meditation where I can just, so I have little goals that I still establish myself where I need to get back to those things. Yeah. The last three, four years of my life have been constantly about just work and building myself externally, <clears throat> which is why I have all those external variables to kind of help me reflect. That now that I've finally gotten to a point where I'm not working as much and more focusing really on myself, that I can have, I can reestablish projects to help me meditate internally rather than depending externally on a factor. Uh So I feel that now I'm kind of getting into a point where I want to get into the stretching so I can kind of use that as a Zen moment where I can just sit down, relax, stretch and just breathe and relax. Yeah. you know, because I, there's a lot of moments where I don't have that. And that's why I needed to use my dog for it or go to the gym because that was the only way to get away. Mm-hmm. So I, so your question kind of helped me also realize that right now that I'm entering that, that pursuit now more than before.
0: Yeah. And uh, do, how, how do you in your life? Cause you told me like you have so much information going on and you're taking on yeah. some information every day. How do you separate the noise from uh, the, the information the,
1: the, the the, the oh. filtration the, the filtration process i call it yeah. the, the the ability to filter the constant overloaded information uh honestly it's more of an observer I, I look at it more as an observer i say that you have to uh, the way i look at it is really that it's learn to be patient and observe gather as much information as possible let it come to you don't assume until you see certain factors or information that comes up that validates other information. Once you get a pattern of validation, then you can start assuming certain things because what happens is a lot of people will get a piece of information and then because they're very ignorant about other subjects, they'll overassume something rather than saying, okay, I'm not entirely understand the subject or the realm of whatever is being said. Let me take it in. Let me hold on to that information and then let me just continue to watch let me see what else comes out. What else did this person say? What does that person say? What does the government do? What does the economy do? Okay. I'm starting to understand a better picture of what's happening. I can paint a better picture. Now I'm going to process it until I develop enough information or evidence in the way that science is until I develop enough evidence, I will not assume something yet. I will speculate. I might speculate, but if I speculate, I will talk as though it's that only. It's pure speculation. And in order for this to become a reality, I need more validation from the landscape. Or what I might say is, okay, I've developed enough information to, in order to establish that this potential speculation actually has a lot of merit. And now I can go into it wholeheartedly because there's a lot of factors that demonstrate it is a, it's a valid point or an idea. So it's, it's really about, for me, it's really that just sit back, relax and observe information. Kind of like Zen, I guess you'd say is meditation, the way you do it with yourself, learn to do it with the landscape, learn to take in stuff without processing it too quickly. Just meditate over the information, relax, breathe, take the information in because there's so much information now. It's incredible. Social media has completely, social media has completely changed the game for everything. For the good and for the bad, but all the bad aspects of it complete can can be completely shifted. If we just change the way we process the information being given by social media. Mm -hmm. And it's that because there's so much information bombarding us constantly. We're not, we haven't evolved to the point where we understand how to slowly process loads of information. So for me, it's really, I believe it's really that just learn to become more of an observer before you speculate or before you overassume something, observe, watch. And then it's like nature, right? If you go to nature and you just watch, eventually you see things build. Well, you yeah. can't, you can't, you can't just overstep yourself, just relax, breathe, watch that our reality, whether it's the nature, whether it's stocks, whether it's people, whether it's in economics or politics the approach will always should always be the same just observe watch and then as information builds as more things develop then you can start building a better processed idea or you can better speculate on a better outlook yeah so for
0: so people people need to be aware of the the confirmation bias too cuz uh, exactly. I, I felt into it myself you know during the coronavirus uh, period like the, the peak of it i was looking into like uh, conspiracy theories and stuff like yeah. that now I went into this world of like david icke and and so many, much information and 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 you you're getting through this rabbit hole of like there's an agenda and there's bill gates vaccines and all of that like, <laughs> all this, so yeah.
1: one way one way i helped myself to really to really help did, differentiate between what's going out is I always ask myself what if somebody's saying something are they saying something off of a speculation or are they saying something off of real evidence or real occurrences if somebody is speculating off of a speculation and you're going to take their speculation as fact well then the premise of that thought is already flawed but if somebody says this is about to occur because this, this 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 has happened not because it might happen well, now that I outlook is far more likely to occur, which is then, and that's how I then develop, I go into that thought. Yeah. I, have to, I, I always ask myself, what are they saying and where does it come from? Is it supported or is it speculated? If it's speculated and they're saying this, I can't entirely trust that yet because there's not enough evidence to support that speculation. And then as a human being trying to make sense of things, if I'm gonna believe things purely, if I'm going to believe pure ideas off of other ideas rather than off of reality, then my, nothing's ever going to make sense to me.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I get what you're you know? saying. I get what you're saying. But sometimes the thing is like they're going to, they're going to speculate maybe for some yes. stuff that could happen in the future because you never know. They, they say, oh, oh it's in the future. Exactly. But at the same time, they're going to give you some very realistic and true things that happened in the past. That you can... And that's where the...
1: But then the question becomes is, have they contextualized it? Have they contextualized what they told you properly? Sometimes what they say could be right, but it hasn't been contextualized properly looking forward. You know what I'm saying? For example... So you could say, for example, yes, Europeans came to North America and conquered the land and took it over, but you have to then contextualize it deeper. Who really pushed that occurrence? It was the church. The church was one of the biggest factors that really helped colonizing the world. So in reality, the main fundamental trigger to world supremacy and colonization was led by the church because the church's premise was we need to spread the word of God. But nobody, nobody's focusing on religion or the church. Everybody's focusing on white people now and how we're the evil people. But we just did something based off of what a church told them to do. And it was a collaboration from there. But it's always about, I believe it's really always about con- context. We have to make sure that something is contextualized properly. Because if it's not contextualized properly, it leads into these very crazy ideas or thoughts or ideologies or conspiracies that, Again, sometimes does no good for the people to even think that this, you know. I really love Bill Gates as a human being. I find him incredible. And the whole conspiracy that was going around Bill Gates honestly was hurting me. It was like, I respect this man. I've always looked up to him. He created our entire system. Like, think about it for me and you to operate right now, we're using a computer. Okay. The premise of computers was really developed because of Bill Gates. He kind of creating the whole system of operating systems. Most businesses operate on an operating system developed by Microsoft. Without Microsoft, almost everything we have in this system would be non-existent in the reality of today. But then again, we ignore everything he's done for our reality, and then we somehow wanna twist it and say, Bill Gates is this. But it's based off speculation, and without entirely understanding what it is he does, somebody might just twist it, one little word, or one little perception, and then it leads down the rabbit hole and the people and people love the rabbit hole because it's curious. It's, Ooh, it's intriguing. Ooh, you know, conspiracies are very intriguing, but I felt attacked as a person because I respected that command so much. And if you're going to deny Bill Gates is who he is, then you have to deny everything he's ever done for the system, which is a lot. Mm-hmm. So it, it just, it, it kind of demonstrates a lot of like flip flopping in the psychology of certain things. And I find it like, you know, there's certain ideas that I say, I might not, I might not have an opinion about it right now because I need to see how things develop more. What comes out more before I truly believe such a thing. I didn't want to believe certain things without be having more validation.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I see. And, uh, just curious, cause I didn't ask you like, what are like kind of the hurdles that you kind of faced and looking back, like you've learned something about them, like in some, some hurdles or, or some, some problem that you faced during your journey so far. And that you think would be like, that you think is truly important to the person that you have became now.
1: One was really um, how I looked at depending on other people. Like the way I look about really depend. Like if I want to build a relationship with anybody or even if it's a girl or a friend or a colleague, I need to, I need to realize that I couldn't, there, there's always two parts to every relationship, right? If I need to do something and I'm there to do it and the other person is not doing it, I'm not going to push myself to go above and beyond to always get them to be engaged. Yeah. I'm going to walk away. Take your losses short, fast, sweet. Take an easy loss. Move on and rebuild. Rebuild. And I, relationships is one of the biggest things I learned about. How to go about building relationships with people because of the fact that I find a lot of people waste my time. And a lot of people deviate me from what I'm trying to do, or instead of indulging what I want to do in my obsession, they make it about what I'm not doing, or they make it about how I'm wrong. And again, you're not helping me. You're not adding value to me. You're deviating me. You're, being negative towards my, my pursuit. So how I engaged with people was one of my biggest hurdles, because if you can focus on spearheading a proper network, it grows fast. Because then more people want to meet you. They're always going to invite you to things. And then you're always collaborating with more and more people. So my relationships with people is really one of my biggest hurdles that I really focused on improving as much as possible. And then it was, how do I process information? That was another thing. The processing of my information was one of my other biggest hurdles, how to just take in stuff and how to make sure that I contextual. And that's why conversations were always one of my favorite things to do, because by having a conversation, it helped me kind of pinpoint where people's biases were this way. I can then do an external, an internal reflection of my own biases and how I, um, put out certain thoughts and ideas to make sure that I did it in a way that was more constructive and positive rather than negative or deconstructive or unvaluable. So conversations was really one of my focal points. I always focused on making sure that I had solid, solid conversations with
0: people. sorry, were you always like very social and things like that? Or were you no. have you have a period? Were you, were, you were no, shocked?
1: that's like I said, like I said, honestly, restaurants completely changed me because okay. in high school, for example, I went to an all boy Catholic school and I, I didn't have any female friends. Like I, I, I was not a conversation person and I didn't really go out and have conversations with people unless people came to me and have a conversation with me. So I was very shy and timid. I was always in my own little bubble and in my head and my thoughts but the when I got into, like, I didn't even go to prom with anybody because I didn't even know any women to ask, you know, I was very, that's how I was. But the moment I got into restaurants and I started socializing and you're always forced into conversations all the time, it built me and it learned and it kind of taught me how to really be able to socialize, how to indulge a conversation, how to walk away from a conversation, how to really pinpoint what, I, like how people think and this and that. So restaurants for me was the biggest factor to my socializing that Hmm. developed me as a person. I I don't think I would be who I am without me having become a waiter to begin with because that's because one, it provided me with a lot of equity and capital to do what I did with my money. And two, it forced me to socialize with a lot of people and it made me meet a lot of people. So I'm very grateful to that beginning stage of my, my development. So Hmm. yeah, I am more social than I've ever been because of this. Before that, I was nowhere near like this. Like. Did, doing this was would not probably never occurred if I did not do this because I didn't care. I, that's why I didn't want to go to clubs. That's why I like, I, I did I just didn't care to meet people. Mm-hmm. That like, was before now I'm entirely different and socializing is, really yeah, changed yeah, that.
0: Socializing is key. Yeah. And it's a skill. It's a skill. It that is. To, to Absol-
1: yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I agree with that hundred percent.
0: So t- tell me something that maybe you think like, tell me something that you think is true. But that almost anybody, you know, almost everybody disagrees with you. Like maybe something that you think, something that's proper to you that you think. And, you know, so most of the people that you exchange that information with disagree with you on. Uh,
1: I give me a theme. Like, do you want to uh, do you want to contextualize this in terms of like money, um, uh, pursuit happiness? Okay, here, I'll give you one thing. Actually, one thing that just popped up in my head, which is obvious is a lot of people think that my obsession on focusing on my brand and my wealth and my clients is as though I'm neglecting myself. They think that I'm, I'm, I'm wasting my, my youth right now. And a lot of people think that of me. They think, well, you're not, why don't you focus on a, on a girl? Why don't you focus on family? Why don't you just go on vacations? Why don't you do this? And then I tell them because I'm focused on, do, this is for me right now. I am building something. I am trying to build a legacy. I am happy doing exact, even though to you it might seem that it's crazy and it is somewhat crazy because I'll work 60, 70 hours, whatever the case may be. And I'm burnt and I'm this and that the gratification I get from knowing that I keep compounding and growing. I don't care. I'm going to keep doing it. And a lot of people, because a lot of people don't want to do that or they want the easy life to them. This crazy life that I seem to be living doesn't seem to resonate with them. And they, they, they always try to deviate me say, well do it differently. Do this instead, do that, do that. And if I were to listen to them, I wouldn't be doing this.
0: Yeah. I would have that's been that's here. That. Like uh yeah, it's the the herd mentality, like everybody wants to exactly. short-term things. It's the same exactly. thing as finance, same thing as investments, same thing.
1: Everywhere. Same. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, exactly. So that was one of the biggest things for me was that it's it's really more it's I think it and I think that impacts everybody at the end of the day. No matter who you are, everybody has that kind of difficulty because if you're around people that want a certain lifestyle and you want to be a part of that world with them. Well, then you feel that you have to follow that same type of lifestyle yeah. and, and, and a lot of people don't want to be alone. So for them to say, well, no, I'm going to deviate and I'm going to be doing it on my own. They, they feel oh. alone and people don't want to feel alone. So I think that, and I think that this struggle that was for me was something that everybody else struggles with too. Mm-hmm. Ironically, everybody struggles with it, but everybody also makes it, everybody forces that same struggle on everybody else because they say, well, if I'm not going to do it, you shouldn't do it.
0: Yeah true i so, think it's a
1: struggle everybody has yeah
0: yeah so you, uh, we're gonna wrap up by the way soon it's been already an hour i don't want to take too much of your time and yeah I know you got <laughs> but stuff. this is
1: good this is good this is good it's fun yeah.
0: yeah this is good so um if you could turn back to your 18 year old self let's say yeah. and uh you could give him a resource or give him a, some pieces of advice what would what would you say to him to to basically like save him time and headaches and and all of that you know
1: I think it would be find people that are like you and go crazy trying to build something together. Because if I had started what I started now at 18 years old, I, I, I would be on an entirely different level at this age right now because I only started this really 23, 24 is when I really started myself. But if I had started that at 18 years old, focusing on building a network of good people that were like me that had this hard, had a really strong mindset and building something, honestly, I think it would be a complete game changer for my life. I'd be an entirely different man. So I think that, one of them would hundred percent be that focus on building a good group of friends that want to build something alongside you because it helps you get that external factor saying, push yourself and you and men were a little more competitive in nature in the sense we want to be bigger and better. So because of that, it's if I have a friend next to me that's strong and wants to do something, I want to make sure that I'm just as competitive as him. I don't want to lag. So I think if I had told myself that 18, it would completely change things. And two would be probably don't be afraid to learn on your own because that was something I didn't really do as much. Even though I loved watching documentaries, I don't think I ever looked at it the way I looked at things now. Just don't be afraid to learn on your own because I hated school. I was one, I was a person that really disliked school. I really didn't enjoy it, Mm -hmm. but I still did high school. I still did CJEP. I still did university, got my degree, but I think I would have told them, even though you don't like school, don't be afraid of the idea of learning and education because it still builds your character day in and day out after, after, after that. Like your knowledge only exponentially grows you. And the more knowledge you have, the better you create connections in your brain to the reality of your life. And the more connections you build and you're within your brain, the more life becomes easier to understand and less fearful. And the less fearful things are, the more risk and the more aggressive you're willing to become in doing your pursuit. Yeah. So those would probably be the two biggest factors for me because I, the, me saying that now I'm exponentially growing right now, I would have probably exponentially started my growth like three, four years ago instead.
0: Yeah. And for someone that doesn't have, you know, this peer group of friends with whom they, you know, he can, you know, strive to like this power circle, you know, of people. Yes, that,
1: exactly. That
0: dreams and, and things like that for people, that, for people that don't have this chance of having friends like that, do you, like they should take mentors, right? They should take people that shortcut the process, pay for yes. Or
1: Mentors. One, I would say, find yourself a mentor, but make sure you take your time to understand your. Me- like the thing is, if you, th- I believe that if you're a, somebody's a mentor, they should be willing to take the time to have conversations for weeks at a time, months at a time with somebody before they force them into a a relationship as a student mentor. Because as a student, you don't entirely know how to trust a person yet, because you're assuming they know what they're doing. And, I'm, and I know for a fact that there's plenty of people out there that want to be mentors, but they don't really know what they're doing and they just want to do it for the sake of money. Mm-hmm. So as a student, you should also learn that you should take the time to try to build a relationship with a potential mentor before you begin paying him because he could just be taking your money. And at the end of the day, he's not giving you the results you want because he's not connecting with you and a student teacher relationship. You really want to connect with the student and the student wants to connect with the teacher. It's how you'll better learn. So, The mentorship is definitely one, but obviously like everything else, you have to approach it in a very cautious way. And two, it's if you can't find one, create yourself a network, go socialize, go meet people. Because honestly, at our age, when we meet people that are like us, it's very hard to not want to have a conversation with them again. We want to keep them around We want to. So if you get that mindset in your head and you say, well, I'm going to go out there and force myself to meet people like me. If you have a good connection with people like you, you're going to probably likely meet again and again and again, because you think alike and people that think alike, like to be around each other. So if you don't have it, go create one. Mm -hmm. Life is life. Doesn't give you everything. And at the end of the day, if you want something, you have no choice, but to go and try to create yourself. So, I would just say go out and create yourself and then at the same time also potentially even look for a potential mentor that can really help shortcut the process because he will have made a lot of the mistakes before you he'll be better at explaining it and creating the connections with your brain he'll help narrow in your, your 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 thoughts so you can better focus on where to learn and what niches to target so they're both significant factors create it and find somebody else to help you develop that process much quicker
0: Yeah. True.
1: Because I didn't, I didn't have the luxury of having a mentor. I I had to do it myself. I forced to build my network and I had to learn on my own. I didn't have anybody to teach me. So, so my journey took a little longer than I would have liked it to, but I'm happy with where I am and the journey did well for me. So, yeah. And a mentor would probably help a lot of people especially when you're young. I find young kids, man, nowadays, if they do things well, it, it's not impossible for you to have a good successful life. Especially if you start young, it, yeah. you know, it's, the, 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 it's, the, everything is there for you to use. You just, you just have to be willing to do it.
0: Yeah. It's basically more to shortcut the process of doing the thing. You know, it's like, exactly. you no, know?
1: because you'll have the experience. You'll have the knowledge. You'll know exactly what, oh, don't focus on that. It's a wasting your time. Focus here instead, you know? And then he has somebody to have a conversation with that understands the topic. So he could better integrate the, 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 the theory into his head and better apply it afterwards because he has a better understanding and connection of the theme and the topic and then and the knowledge.
0: Yeah. So lastly, I just want to kind of know about your, your goals now. Like what would you like to make happen in, let's say, ten years or something? You don't need to reveal all your yeah. No, or I've I've it's would a it's, you like a, it's a, hedge a fund or something like Ray Dalio style or like what well, what kind of
1: so. It's a good question because this is the point in time where I've had to start reshifting my outlook because my last the last four years was all about my five year ten year plan. But I'm I'm four years in, I'm entering my fifth year soon, and my five year plan is somewhat built. But now I need to think another five years, so I gotta think longer now. So I've been thinking about things, you know. So now I think that my plan is I want to create not necessarily a hedge fund, but more an independent consulting firm where I build an active group of individual investors, where I am the advisory board to individual investors. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like a fund, but in a sense where every individual is their own investor, but they'll have a proper guidance and an advisor to, to doing everything with their money. And the second thing is other than my strategic advisory for consulting companies, I think that I want to start building a, um, Financial organization where I start working with schools to help connect with students to better build on financial literacy on learning about economics and stock market to be less fearful of wanting to engage with their money and talking about their money because I find a lot of people are afraid of talking about money, but only because they're in denial about the reality. So they have to focus on the short term stuff because it's the only way to make them happy after so one of the goals I've been starting to develop is I want to, I want to start working with schools and potentially get into the realm of of, uh, politics as consult to consult governments and organizations into how to go about connecting with people, how to better educate people, how to properly focus on the economics of things, because I find that governments and a lot of organizations that are for, that are not for profit or charities, even though they have good intentions, their lack of understanding when it comes to money and economics ruins a lot of what they do because they can't, they can't execute. They're wasting money. They're wasting time. And if you could just better provide, better provide financial governance and literacy to these organizations, I feel that as a system and as a collective, and as generations come in, we can better improve ourselves as a whole. And if I want to make a big impact as a brand, I think that my pursuit has to start narrowing on helping people through the, an organization focused on literacy when it comes to money, finance, and economics. Mm-hmm. So I think that's my next stage. And then potentially longer term is a think tank. I want to potentially create a think tank where I, we focus on economic psychology, ethics, uh, sustainability, and we provide consulting advisory to government officials, to companies and social structures such as that to make sure that even though your, your objective is your business and your money, you're never neglecting the system as a whole because the system is dependent on you and you depend on the system to ensure that you can continue to do what you do so you need a balanced approach but a lot of people are weak in their approach in the balance so i want to I want, the idea is potentially creating a think tank that becomes the equilibrium for a lot of organizations to learn how to balance their ideologies and their thoughts and their processes
0: so what, that's what my a, longer yeah what, what is a think tank exactly i didn't understand the idea
1: so the think tank in general, normally a think tank is risky. It's like I might specialize in investment think tank. So it says, okay, I want you to do a research on uh, this certain industry and provide me with input. They'll pay these people to do research, this and that they'll give them the paper and then whatever they want to do with it, they do with it. But I want to kind of evolve the think tank into, I want to like in the senses where I want to be the brain, the, the brain function of a, uh, of the center point. So governments, that need to focus on how the economy functions or how companies need to focus on how people think or how they engage with their economy or how they think about sustainability and how they think long term i want to create a think tank that sits on advisories that sits with governments that sits with companies and the purpose is to make sure that they're aligned not only short term but long term with their business and the system's future whether it's nature, people, government, that everybody's better aligned. Because if you're better aligned, again, the spearhead occurs. You better spearhead and, you, and there's less chaos within the system. So I want to I wanna evolve the concept of what a think tank is and really be, I, the premise is this, I want to be paid to think and I want to be paid to provide guidance and provide equilibrium for people to better balance themselves out. And that's where I want to do with my think tank. Okay. I, I want to be respected for my thoughts and my ideas and my my intellectuality. That's what I want to be respected for.
0: Yeah, I, I saw you're big on like uh, advising at, uh, being, uh, the big board of advisors, think tank, things like that. So it's really yeah, the uh, information is the information niche of, of like financial information, financial guidance, exactly schools, things like that. And I think it's brilliant the idea of like helping school schools because uh, yeah, school school lose so much money and. And in school, you don't really learn how to manage your money, how to make money, how to do this. And I no. think that could be so much more optimized. It's, it's
1: just to give a little context. Um, in, this, in my book on the chapter where I talk about education, I, I talk about contextualizing why the system seems to be flawed now. Because back in the day, the government was entirely in control of the, of the economy. The government was the factor that decided how the economy shifted and adapted. But back in the day, when the government said, well, we need to build our infrastructure, we need to grow our economy, By building our economy, we become a stronger nation. By becoming a stronger nation, the government itself becomes stronger. So back in the day, the premise was, well, if I need to become stronger and I need to build a certain economy and infrastructure, I need to create a certain type of workforce. And that's why they designed the educational system to create workforce. But not to create free thinkers. And now, with the way the system is, the economy is no longer the deciding factor of the government it's its own system it's its own structure now it does things on its own because it's have it's only driven by the people <laughs> so the system now which is educated which is developed by the government and they decide how the system is learned is thought and learned the government needs to evolve the, the thought process and the educational system in order to ensure that the way we think is more reflective of how the system is designed now because as individuals we've been given more autonomy because of our phones, because of access to internet, because of access to everything we have. We have more autonomy as individuals. We no longer need the government to tell us everything. We can go discover it on our own. So the government now has to devolve, has to evolve the educational system to provide a better understanding of our reality because the current system is designed in the old framework and that old framework didn't evolve. And that's why there's a massive gap occurring. And that's a flaw. You have to continuously evolve. The moment you stop evolving something, it, it'll eventually fade away. The premise of evolution is imitate behaviors and characteristics that allow you to adapt and survive. Well, then the government should be doing the same thing with everything, and they're not doing it. And that's where I find there's a lot of issues in our system is because they're not evolving themselves. They're not.
0: Yeah. Well, no. It's hard. It's hard to change. You know, the, the traditional school system and uh, and the the ideologies there. It's so hard to to change because. I feel like also the, the school system is the whole, like I see it as a matrix, you know, there's like this matrix, of, like there's this system put in place, whether in school or in, in the way people think that keeps people in the, in the bubble, you know, in a bubble yep. of thinking. And it's, it's, hard, for, it's hard for people like us, me, you, or especially you that wants to you know burst that bubble and actually change the, the, the way people think about finance, for example. Yeah. It's so hard to because you have almost everybody against you, like trying to keep the norm. And um,
1: absolutely, so good luck
0: with that. You know, it's uh, thank it's, you. A hard challenge, but I'm thank sure, you. I'm sure, you know, you. I mean, you'll you'll get the like people. The, the things will change, but it will take time. And I think time,
1: I hundred percent. I can't be afraid. You can't be afraid of of time. Yeah. And if it's a 20 year project, if it's a 30 year project, I'm not afraid. Uh, it'll be, that's my life project now.
0: Yeah. And there's a lot of schools also that, um, there are digital schools, like they don't have yeah. a campus or something. And those schools, for example, I know a school I've done, uh, I, I did a nano degree. It's a digital marketing degree. Uh, there, there's a school called uh, Udacity. I don't know if you know, like there's some schools that, you know, form you, they, they, they give trainings about, for example, blockchains or, or new, new things, you know? Uh, and, uh, and those are interesting too, you know, for, for your project because they, yeah. they also, but hundred percent,
1: hundred percent, because I think that now that with the way people look at education, all uh, people have to understand that you can't entirely depend on the system to provide you with the proper education. You have to develop your own inner desire to, to learn on your own and be educated on your own. Because the system won't teach you everything. And if you don't take responsibility to learn on your own also, then the system, you'll always be dependent on the system and its flaws. Always. You'll never be able to exceed
0: it. Awesome. So, man, it was an awesome interview, Nick. Uh, how, how do people can find you? Like, how, uh, What's your Instagram website? So,
1: if you want to find me on Instagram, it's at Nick Tartaglia. So, N-I-C-T-A-R-T-A-G-L-I. It's right uh, like that. Mm-hmm. And then if you guys want a website, I have my podcast, which is about business and everything. It's at newgenmindset.com. New so if Mind- you go there, yeah, newgenmindset.com. You go there, you could find my business podcast where we talk about investment allocations and economics and stuff like that. And so there's that. There's also I have two blogs written there. And then on Facebook, Nick Tartalia. Uh, basically the same way I spell my name on Instagram, my brand and who I am is on that page. So if you follow me there, you follow who I am as a person and how I'm building myself.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Awesome talk, man. Uh, guys, take a look at his book as well, The Intelligent Millennial. It's, uh, it's awesome. one of the best sellers on Amazon. It's uh, I'm, I'm going to take a look at it myself too. It, it sounds uh, like I saw some things there and, and I saw the what what got me into... Like, I, I want to buy it now because I feel like you've put a lot of things together, even in terms of psychology. And uh, I, I feel like it's, it's an interesting book. I'm going to take a look at it. Good, so anyway, good. take a look at his book as well, The Intelligent Millennial. And uh, yeah, see you soon, Nick. Take Thank care. Thank you. And uh, Thank peace.
1: You. Bye. Peace, man. Thank you. Ciao.